This episode is supported by Vegamore. I'm a month and a half into my Vegamore journey. I don't know if you've ever had a garden and planted seeds, but when that first little growth breaks ground, it's exciting. And on my very head, I can see some new growth in the areas that I've noticed hair thinning before. And it's exciting to see those little babies coming in. I use the shampoo, conditioner, and the grow serum, which have a lovely, mellow, warm citrus smell. I've been consistently using this and it makes my hair feel soft and full. And it's really important to me that I use safe and conscious products whenever I can. And Vegamore is 100% cruelty-free and are never formulated with potentially harmful chemicals like parabens or hormones. Elevate your hair wellness routine this year with Vegamore. For a limited time, get 20% off your first subscription order by going to vegamore.com slash mind and use code mind at checkout. That's V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R.com slash mind, code mind to save 20% on your first order. V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R.com slash mind, code mind. Welcome to Mom in Mind. I'm perinatal psychologist and host, Dr. Kat. There's more to the story than just postpartum depression. And this podcast aims to share it all from personal stories and lived experience to experts who break down the ups and downs of life from getting pregnant, pregnancy, perinatal loss, and postpartum adjustment to parenthood. While this is not psychotherapy or medical advice, it is all of the stuff you ever wanted to know about mental health and new parenthood. Welcome back to Mom in Mind. I'm your host, Dr. Kat. In our episode today, we are meeting Savannah Burton. She is a mom of two and a therapist at My Memphis Therapist Counseling and Consulting. She's sharing with us today uh, her personal experience and some of what she's hoping for other moms to understand. One part of that is that not all people love pregnancy. And that is a really common experience that not a lot of people talk about. There's a lot of shame and silence around how difficult pregnancy can be. So I appreciate that she's bringing that into our episode today. She talks about her experience through postpartum anxiety and psych medications, and really the challenge of balancing it all, especially in her experience having two different experiences after each birth. Savannah is a University of Memphis alumni, postpartum anxiety advocate, and survivor. She is passionate about maternal mental health and fortunate enough to be able to live out her dream of helping others as a therapist and as an entrepreneur. So let's get into it and meet Savannah. Welcome, Savannah. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, Dr. Kat. Yeah, I'm happy to have you on and for you to be sharing your story in particular, because as you know, so many people deal with postpartum anxiety and aren't always aware that that's what's happening. I think that's a lot of us aren't really aware that that's what's happening. So I'm grateful that you want to share your story with us and how you're helping people now. So yeah, please feel free to start wherever you'd like with your story. Sure. So I have two boys. My oldest just turned eight and he was born in 2015. And I'm also a therapist. I treat a lot of moms in the therapy setting. And one thing I've learned that's a common theme is really no one can prepare you for what comes after the birth of your first child. You know, everybody says, you know, sleep when the baby sleeps, which is 
whole nother issue in itself, <laughs> or, you know, prep food and all of these things. There's really not a lot of talk around the emotional side that mm-hmm. comes after mm-hmm. birth. And sometimes the birth in itself can be yep. dramatic, which mine was there too. And I can mm-hmm. talk about that in a minute, but you know, we had everything set and the nursery and, you know, just baby showers and family, you know, and everything was ready. And then we had him and it was like, I got hit by a freight train. Mm -hmm. Um, And honestly, my husband too, you know, Mm -hmm. back at it, I really think, I know there's a lot of research coming out saying, you know, men can suffer from PPD as well. And just being a clinician, looking back, I really think he had some touches of that we just didn't know at the time. But we both really, really struggled. So it was a case of, you know, it wasn't just me, it was me and him kind of going, what did we just do? Mm, This is a really not good decision. You know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. how are we going to do this? I remember just both of us being up in the middle of the night one night, we were both just crying. Like, Mm. You know, it was probably night two or three and couldn't get him to go to sleep. And, you know, the days and nights are flip-flopped and right. it was really wild, you know, and that too, I mentioned a, a traumatic birth. Mm-hmm. I ended up having a C-section, which, you know, was never planned your first go around and, you know, did the whole epidural thing and it wore off. Oh. Did a second one, it didn't take. Oh gosh. Yeah. So, you know, by the end of it, I'm feeling everything. It was like, really like an out of body experience. When I look back at it, I've just never been in that much pain in my life. And I like to say I'm a pretty tough cookie. So I don't say that lightly, but right. yeah, you know, and then we had a nurse leave us because somebody was in distress in the room next to us. And so like my husband was just like left to like kind of manage the whole thing and This is during the C-section? This is during the, well, I pushed for about three to four hours and he was almost nine pounds. He's a big boy. So, Mm -hmm. and I'm five, two, Mm -hmm. they, it just wasn't happening. And and eventually, yeah, they were like, okay, we've got to get him out somehow. When they pulled him out, finally, they're like, yeah, you wouldn't have gotten his head out. He's, you know, it's huge. No, you don't know that. You don't know you how don't know that. that goes. You don't, I've never done this before. Right. And yeah, so during the labor, she just said, you know, I'll be back. And maybe it, it was not that long, but to us, it felt like an, an eternity. Oh, you know, sure. like, here's yeah. our medical staff. And then, you know, my blood pressure would tank and the whole team mm-hmm. would rush in and put a mask on me. And we didn't know what was happening. And just a lot of unexpected this is not what I envisioned. Yeah, yeah no, not at all. Yeah, it's not that I was like, I want to have this kind of birth with this song on and, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, the birthing ball. And I was, I knew I am, I cannot be rigid about this. I was very open minded, but it still was just so different mm-hmm. than what I thought it would be. Gosh. Yeah. And then, you know, okay. trying to recover from a C section mm-hmm. is a whole thing in itself, too on top of the newborn phase and having a husband that is in just as much shock as I am about, Oh my gosh, like who let us be in charge of this little thing? (laughs) 
yeah, for sure. And this, I mean, you both still recovering from all of the traumatic things that just happened. You in that much pain and him seeing what was going on and not knowing what was going on as well. If I can just like touch back real quick on, you said the first epidural wore off and then the second epidural didn't take. And then that was during this C-section? No. So they, had, we actually had gone in, this was our third night going into the ER mm. because uh, in labor and delivery, because I was having contractions and they kept sending me home. And the third night we went in and they said, or it was early in the morning and they said, okay, you're going to have a baby today. And they started me on Pitocin to kind of get things rolling. And so during that whole process, they gave me, you know, I was progressing. So they said, do you want the epidural? And yeah, and that was the plan all along. And after a little while, it, it started wearing off. And then they said, okay, do you want to try another one? And we did. And it just, it did not work. So mm the latter half of all the pushing and the contractions and everything there was no pain management mm-hmm. on top of being on pitocin which you know heightens all of that was just that's when i say like out of body mm-hmm. so when they did the c-section they actually did a spinal tap got it okay i was a little worried that you were feeling the c-section also and <laughs> right so there's a long process and you're working really hard to during labor. And then at some point it became uh, clear to the medical team, at least that C-section was needed. Yes. It was not an emergency C-section, but there was no progression, you know, after a certain point. And actually his, my firstborn, his head was so big when we took him for his pediatrician appointment, you know, the week prior post, he said, you know, his, head circumference is really off the growth chart and I'm kind of concerned. So we need to make sure like he kind of dips back down and gets back in the curve Mm. or we're going to have to send you guys for some scans. So like, geez. Okay. So, right. It's like one thing after another, after another, uh that pediatrician appointment is like within a couple of days. Yes. And so wow. I mean, in a weird way that validated me because I was like, mm. okay, like his head is really big. And mm. like, you know, because I'm thinking what's wrong with me? Why can't I get the baby out? Mm. So in a strange way, that was validating. But yeah, yeah. also, you know, it's like, oh, my gosh, do we have a whole other problem on our hands, which it ended up being fine. But that's some scary, scary stuff to hear, you know, a couple days post birth, for sure. And then, you know, after that, it just, I took three months off and we had planned for the whole maternity leave. My short-term disability was denied. So after thinking, what? okay, I'm going to have these three months like paid, you know, 60%. Yeah. Apparently I signed up after my like pregnancy test. So, what? so they denied it. What was the reasoning? So oh my I gosh, what, the, what? Yeah, the confirmation of pregnancy was like, I guess, prior to it being active, like for the open enrollment period. Yeah, what? it was just there. What? <laughs> I know. Makes me want to scream. I just, why is this happening to people? Why did it happen? That you didn't deserve that. Oh my god. Okay, no. so like it's just you're one thing after another, one disappointments after another. and uh, you know confusion and oh oh gosh yes and 
you know, prior to me having him, I had had a breast reduction in college. And so there was always a thought of like, I don't know if this is going to affect me breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. We really don't know until it happens. And while I, I was able to breastfeed for six months, which was, I still can't believe I went that long, but the start of that journey was really, really, really rough. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I had to use a nipple shield the entire time. Mm. And, you know, we didn't even know what a nipple shield was. Right. You know, and I have this lady coming to me in the hospital going, try this and go to Target and stock up on these. And I'm sending my husband to Target to buy nipple shields and he doesn't know what size. Right, right. You know, you're like, how did we get here? Mm -hmm. This is just Mm -hmm. wild. Mm Mm-hmm. Which really proud of myself for sticking with that for so long because it was not easy using that thing Mm -mm. everywhere you go. But yeah, just a lot of hiccup. I will say I never felt disconnected from him. So I never felt disconnected from Ethan, my son. Mm -hmm. I always, you know, you hear a lot, especially with PPD, like, that disconnection and it takes a while to bond. I never experienced that. I was bonded. So throughout all of this, I did have this like deep internal connection to him, even though it was so hard. So I will say I didn't have that speed bump. But what I think happened is all of these things kind of set up the perfect foundation of just feeling super anxious about everything moving Mm -hmm. forward. And Mm -hmm. right before I got pregnant, I discovered that I had anxiety. So I always Mm kind of knew like, you know, what anxiety was a little bit, but I wasn't a clinician yet. I didn't really get it. And Mm -hmm. finally I did some work around it and was like, oh, okay, this is what this is. And I got started on medication and like felt so much better. And then like Mm -hmm. the got pregnant. So didn't, didn't have a lot of time Mm -hmm. to really like explore what this could be like pregnant and having a baby and also didn't love being pregnant. It was Mm -hmm. not fun for me. I was very, very sick, but you know, fast forward to him being here, it just started turning into, I can't sleep. And every time he goes down, I was laying there paralyzed, anticipating him to wake up Mm -hmm. instead of, trying to sleep or doing the dishes or resting or whatever it is that became a new normal is I'm going to try to do something that I literally can't move because like he's going to wake up and start crying again. Mm-hmm. So like constant vigilance, anticipating him waking up, needing to be available to him right away. Yes. Yes. Right. So like mm-hmm. just the crying, just like that stimulus, Mm. produce like a physical response within me like it just what did it feel like for you oh my gosh like nails on a chalkboard Mm -hmm. really like a painful like painful yes and I just I couldn't let him cry Mm -hmm. and I remember I had a friend come over she brought me some food and we were talking about you know taking the baby out or meeting at the park or just going the grocery or something and I said, you know, I really can't do that. Like, he's just, he's so fussy and he cries all the time. And she looked at me and she said, Savannah, babies cry. And I just, I will never forget that. Like, 
this is so normalized to her that like mm -hmm. babies cry. Why isn't this normal to me? Like mm -hmm. every time he cries, I'm having like internal panic. Yeah. And that's when I started to realize like, okay, maybe this isn't really at the level it should be. You know, at this point, did your husband know that this is what was happening for you? Or were you dealing with this sort of silently? No, he knew, but he was also kind of dealing with it too. Mm. And, you know, we, it's so hard because you don't have anything to compare this to. It's right. like, is everybody this anxious? You right. know, you mm -hmm. kind of think so for mm -hmm. a minute. Yeah. You know, we're all, we're sleep deprived. We're just in survival mode. And so we really didn't know that it was abnormal for a while mm -hmm. until I got, I mean, you know, I'm in this field and I got educated and I can see now I have another son, like the differences in that postpartum journey versus the first. But mm -hmm. yeah. And I think that we both just kind of fed off each other too, you know? Oh gosh. Right. Mm -hmm. Like he would be anxious and didn't know what to do. And you know, like I remember one time I finally got to go, you know, to like a Mexican restaurant with my friends for an hour and it was just text after text. Like, I can't do this. He's oh. crying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just very frustrated with himself. Like, I don't know if I can, you know, take care of him. You know, he's mm -hmm. so small and mm -hmm. I don't know the right things. It, just that, that confidence level with both of us just was not there yet. Yeah. This episode is supported by Hungry Root. I am a creature of habit when it comes to food, like I buy the same stuff in the store and generally make the same stuff over and over. Not really that fun. So in order to shake things up, I use Hungry Root. I can pick a whole meal and they send me what I need to make it, but I will also just let them choose so I don't get into my rut. And it paid off. I got the chicken shawarma non-flatbread. These are flavors that I wouldn't have thought to put together on my own and they totally work. It was so yummy and so easy to make. And bonus, I also received for free organic roasted chicken breast that I threw into a salad for another meal. Hungry Root is my partner in healthy and yummy living. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Mom and Mind listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash cat to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash cat. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. Support for today's episode comes from OneSkin, and for a limited time, my listeners get an exclusive 15% off OneSkin products using the code MIND when you check out at oneskin.co. While I've kept up my mini resolution of taking better care of my skin after consistently using OneSkin for several weeks and all is going well. I can't see what's going on at a cellular level, but I can tell you that my skin feels soft and healthy. But they did do some cool research that looked at before and after exposure of the OS1 peptide to skin cells, and the OneSkin scientists found that the peptide reverses skin's biological age. And you can even see that study by Zonari A. et al. in the NPJ Aging Journal. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code MIND at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code MIND. After you purchase, they'll ask where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. New year, healthier skin. That's one skin. It's really hard too when you're both going through something at the same time. 
even without having a baby in the mix when you're both going through something at the same time it's hard because you you know sometimes you can rely on the like okay i can't do this right now and you can rely on the other person to pick up some slack and then vice versa but when you're both going through it and both of your resources are so internal resources are so limited it just adds to the like feeling of panic or the feeling of overwhelm like magnifies everything yeah no it really did and then you know i know this is a, a theme now but the you know i kind of jokingly say it but there is no one person that probably gets on your nerves more than your partner or your spouse after <laughs> the baby, you know, when you're awake and they're snoring or just, yeah, you just took me back. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so the frustrating. Resentment, the resentment is mm-hmm. there and mm-hmm. it's so common and it usually fades, but that was there, which I think is somewhat normal, but then on top of us both being so kind of shocked and anxious about Ethan, that further disconnected us too. Yeah, right. So that was really hard. You know, he would be checked out and we weren't having, you know, our time and that's turned upside down. And I remember going to the pediatrician, he was like, okay, it's been three months. Y'all need to go on a date. It's time for a date night. And I'm like, are you kidding? Like, we're still in survival mode. Like, I can't even think about that. You know, I'm like, are people like doing date night again now? Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. what? Mm -hmm. So that took a long time to get back connected. And honestly, I mean, that's, that's why my sons are four and a half years apart. Mm -hmm. I was terrified to have another child. I don't want to go through pregnancy again. What if I have to have another Mm C-section? That whole, honestly, first year and especially first couple of months was just so hard and it really traumatized me. It yeah. took a lot of, of work, you know, around the both of us to finally get to a point where say, okay, like what would be in our control if we did it again? Mm. What could we prep on the front end? If anything, how could we do it differently having the insight we have now? Right. How long would you say you, and maybe your husband too, but, How long would you say you were in this like heightened state of anxiety before you knew what was happening or got any kind of support to get out of it? Honestly, I really think the first two years, to be honest, were just Mm. not like I wasn't back to baseline. I mean, it got easier as that went on, but even daycare, I was terrified about, you know, there was so much guilt about, because I was a working mom, I still am. You know, why am I taking my child and dropping him off with strangers at three months old? That's awful. And the shame and the guilt. And I would just, I would cry all the way to work. Mm. Uh, But the thing is, I didn't want to stay home with him either. I wanted to work. I love working, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm a professional. Mm -hmm. There was this constant like pull of you're horrible. You can't stay home with him but you don't want to. And like, how do you balance that and make it all work? And it it took me a few years to kind of get that under control and Mm -hmm. stop worrying about, am I messing him up by taking him to daycare? And, you know, am I strapping him in the car seat correctly to the T every time I get in? Oh, I see. Yeah. um, Everything comes with a layer of worry. Everything's a checklist. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, is he 
like, let me just watch him like a hawk every time he eats something, you know, in case there's like a, a moment where I'm needed, which I mean, you know, there is some truth to that, but it's when it gets to this level of extreme, that's when it's not okay. And I mean, I was a runner. I was, you know, I worked out. Self-care has always been very important to me. That all went out the window. And so I knew like, I'm not myself, but I'm also not doing the things to like try to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. And something has to change here. Right. So that like kind of paralyzed sort of feeling lasted throughout that whole time. Like did the anxiety also get in the way of doing things for yourself, like things that you would have normally done in the past because of the worry, because of the vigilance for him? Uh Most definitely. I mean, one other thing I really struggled with too was like scheduling, you know, infants go to sleep so early. If I got off at, you know, 4.35, it was like, you're horrible if you go to the gym after work because then you're missing the few hours Mm -hmm. that have with him. And so I couldn't bring myself to do that because I was feeling so anxious and guilty about that time. But then I was so sleep deprived, I couldn't get up in the morning (laughs) and do it. And, you know, it's just like, how do I create a life where like, I'm functional again, Mm -hmm. really, and work and take care of him, but also spend time with him, connect with my husband, you know, all of those things that was really, really hard. Because I think as moms, you know, we tend to put ourselves last and it catches up with you. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. It does. Especially the longer it goes on, the harder it can feel to get out of that cycle. Was there something for you that happened or realization or something that you came to that kind of helped you realize that? Or was it like a slow realization? It was honestly, probably a slow realization changing jobs really helped i did leave a job that i was going to like an eight to five that was not very flexible when i had him Mm. and got the opportunity to do something that had a mix of you know working from home and kind of making my own schedule when i needed it and that really really let me step back and see like okay you can be a working mom and have a career and take care of yourself. Like even if you're, you know, going on a 20 minute run or walk on your lunch break, like there are ways to do this. Some of it was the structure that you were in that you couldn't help. And that like those environments needed to change a little so you could have some wiggle room to figure this out. Mm -hmm. We don't even have time to really think past what the next thing on your list is that you need to do. How can you figure stuff out? Right. It's so important to have that time to be able to just let some things sink in. Yes. And honestly, I've taken that premise and like, that is how I structure my life now. If I cannot take on a professional gig or project while I'm taking care of myself, during the day. Cause I, now I have, I do those things while my kids are at school. Most of the time, you know, I'll go to the gym or do the grocery shopping then, or use Instacart. And so I'm not taking away from the time from them, but I'm still Mm -hmm. not rushing and like being a complete psycho trying to get it done. Mm -hmm. If I can do all that 
and have space for projects, I do it. Mm-hmm. If I'm not getting any of that stuff done, I have to say no to projects. That is a great measure. Mm-hmm. Because uh, something uh, is going to fall eventually. Mm-hmm. And then how do you get back in that routine if you've just added all this stuff back on your plate? That's a great question. Yeah, it's really hard to, if at all. Most definitely. Yeah, so you, I mean, one of the things that you learned along the way was this, like how to preserve yourself in the middle of all that's going on. Yeah, and just, you know, everybody kind of, I'm a firm believer, everybody kind of has their thing that centers them or grounds them when they're stressed or anxious. And for me, it is moving my body. It has always been that way. And just getting back to those roots of, you know, I'm going to pull my kid outside in a high chair and he's going to watch me while I lift weights for 20 or 30 minutes. Like doing those little things Mm. consistently makes me such a better human. (laughs) <laughs> and a better mom yeah. and a better therapist. And I have realized those little things I can let go. And that's what I try to teach my clients a lot is those little things are usually the first to go, right? Because in our oh, mind, yeah. tiny, right? Oh, I'll work out tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I'll prep my salads another day or, you know, look at the budget later or whatever. But that's usually the glue that mm-hmm. keeps together. And so shifting my mindset of, okay, we're going to say no to this birthday party, because I haven't done my stuff this week, Mm -hmm. right? And Mm -hmm. I need to fill my cup up. Like, Mm -hmm. that's really hard to to shift. And and to some people, it seems kind of silly, like, oh, you can work out anytime or you can, but like, Mm -mm. uh -uh. (laughs) (laughs) nope. I mean, it, right. And to your point that you said earlier, that's part of what happens is that the things that are flexible get moved around so much that they end up off the list entirely. And also, I, I think people don't include their like level of exhaustion and need for just rest to do nothing. You might think you can exercise later, but what if you're in a space where rest is actually what you need in that moment. Anyways, this the constant trying to move stuff around and figure out how to run your life can be hard. And we do tell ourselves those things like, yeah, it's fine. I'll do it later. Yeah. And sometimes um, you do. And sometimes you don't. Right. And you you also have to know yourself. I mean, Mm. I know if I don't work out by five o'clock every day, it's not happening. Mm. You know, I've learned that about myself. And also know that I am a doer. It's hard for me rest it's I usually say yes to things and figure it out later so just Mm -hmm. being more intentional about putting things on my plate and just knowing myself I know I'm not going to get up at 5 Mm a.m you know so meeting myself where I'm at because I do need the sleep you know not much more than that but you know if I wake up at seven and then fit in a workout during the day that's actually healthier to me than trying to force myself to do the whole five o'clock thing and fail probably four or five times out of the week Mm -hmm. and beat myself up. You know, maybe in another season of life, I can do that. For sure. Right. But not now. Right. Yeah. So making it work for where I'm at now Mm -hmm. and 
I've scheduled my whole business around that too. You know, I, it's really important to me that I pick up my kids from school every day. Now I have a school age kid and that's always just been like, okay, by the time he's in kindergarten, I just, I'm going to figure it out where I have a job where I can pick him up from school. And, and I did that, you know, I structured my whole practice when I opened it in 2021, I'm not going to take clients after three Mm -hmm. and I stuck to it. And that allowed me to pick him up and be present with him. It's a 10 minute drive. If that, it's Mm -hmm. nothing, but that, that time is what was priority to me. And, you know, if I had to get back home, come home and pick back up and do some things. Okay. But like, just knowing what fills up my mom cup Mm -hmm. and working my day and my schedule around that. And I know that's not possible for everybody. Yeah, it might not be, but there are decisions like that, that people can, if you kind of step off of the the treadmill for a second and uh, from like running from thing to thing to thing and, and really think about what, how would, what's my ideal flow of the day, the week. You might not be able to do all of it, but some of it you might be able to. Yeah. And it can be real tempting. You know, I've had mm-hmm. tons of clients go, Hey, I really want to come see you. Can you do the 5 PM? And you know, I'm like, oh, yeah. And like, especially when you're just getting started and you don't want to say no, it's hard. Cause that's, oh, yeah. that's income and your foundation. But I really had to ask myself, like, why are you doing all of this? Like, why mm-hmm. did you turn your life upside down and create a business and really take a leap? And the answer was, have time for myself and my kids and my business, right? Right. To have a better balance of all that. So that theme and that like premise has really carried me far. Like that's my non-negotiables and Mm -hmm. I still do it. Nice. This episode is supported by Factor. Eating better is better with ready to eat Factor meals. And ready to eat means pop it in the microwave for two minutes and done. I mix in a few of these meals into my rotation for the days that we're on the run or that I don't want to make anything. I chose the high protein and calorie smart options, one of which is the mushroom chicken thighs and wild rice with garlic roasted green beans. This is restaurant quality and so tasty. I can adjust how many meals I get in my order as much or as little as I need every week. Plus, I can pause or reschedule my deliveries anytime, which comes in really handy for our busy schedule. Head to factormeals.com slash momandmind50 and use code momandmind50 to get 50% off. That's code momandmind50 at factormeals.com slash momandmind50 to get 50% off. This episode is supported by Ritual. I am by nature and nurture a bit skeptical. I have to see for myself if something works or if it's helpful before I just believe it whole cloth. And I'm open to trying things out to see for myself. And that includes finding strategies for my wellness. I have a historically low vitamin D, so it's important for me to take Ritual's Essential 18 because it has D3 in it, and their clinically backed Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin has several other high-quality traceable key ingredients in clean, bioavailable forms. What I love and have always loved about Ritual is that it's a female-founded company, and it's a B Corp, which means they're holding themselves accountable And not just long-term, but also to the health of people and our planet. 
No more shady business. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash mom and mind. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash mom and mind for 25% off. So if you can a little bit, tell me how you went from whatever you were doing before into, you know, the therapy world and, and all of that. And then very specifically supporting moms and families. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I got my master's of counseling in 2010. So I've been in the field uh, for a bit, never really, you know, I think nowadays people graduate and they're, they're interested in just private practice straight away, but that was not where I was. I worked in, oh, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Acute hospital settings, um, you know, very intense days and, yeah. um, behaviors. And honestly, it was really hard. I'm so grateful for it though. Cause it, it just taught me so much. I don't think my business would be where it, where it is now without that experience. Mm-hmm. But, you know, after about a decade, I started dabbling into private practice and worked for other people and then COVID hit. And I had always had this dream of, I want to go out on my own. And then telehealth became a thing. Right. And that was right. So I had my second child, December of 2019, Mm. right before the pandemic Mm, hit. mm. So he's an infant and, you know, I'm on maternity leave about to go back to work. And I'm like, what am I doing? You know, this is the world shut down, but like telehealth's happening. And it really got my wheels turning. So I ended up, (laughs) I didn't have it like an office space, right? People weren't coming in person, but I have two kids at home and a husband working from home and Mm. a dog. So like, mm. where do we do <laughs> You know, that I can mm. shut the door. So I went to like a shed place and bought a shed and I had it converted, you know, drywalled and an electrician come and I just made my own little setup and I started my own thing doing telehealth out of my backyard. Yeah. And quit my full-time job and eased into that. And then um, now it's grown into, you know, I have four clinicians under me and an assistant and uh we're about to actually move into a new bigger space here in a couple months that'll be just with more offices and yeah i mean it's just like the growth is phenomenal but really what drove me into the postpartum clinical world was my own experience Mm -hmm. you know i mean i had no interest in that before becoming a mother. Like I was never a kid person. Let me hold your baby. That was not me. Um, (laughs) People see me now and they probably can't believe that because I'm like, give him to me. Um, (laughs) But you know, that was just never where I saw myself. And then I went through all this and, you know, just thought like, I really just, I feel like I can help other moms. And there was also here in Memphis, not a lot of providers that Mm -hmm. even offered those services. I mean, there was, I think maybe one PMHC. Mm -hmm. So I decided, you know, I'm going to go and get my PMHC and did the certification and, and all of that, but really just drove home. You know, I'm not only a practice for moms and postpartum women, but that's definitely a big piece of it. And if you need it, we're here. That's great. Yeah, especially when you see the the gap. A lot of people aren't getting the help that they need to be able to provide that in ways that you didn't have 
and could have used is rewarding just on its own to know that you can help other people. Yeah. And recently I've had probably two or three clients and it's just, it's so funny how things mirror, you know, your experience, but they've had awful just first postpartum experiences. And now I'm seeing, you know, them pregnant for the second time and and then have their second child and have this second postpartum experience. Well, it's still so different Mm -hmm. in a good way. Mm -hmm. And that just, that fills, honestly, my mom cup and my professional cup. um, (laughs) It just like, it's possible. You know, a lot of people come to me, they're like, I can't have another kid. This is awful. And I mean, that's exactly how I felt. Right. And, but it is possible to have a completely different postpartum experience. It's never going to be easy, but Mm -hmm. You know, there are things you can do to set you up differently and yeah. there's more resources now. Mm-hmm. We, we still have ways to go, but there's a lot more out there. I feel like OB is being more informed. I mean, there's a lot mm-hmm. going on. Oh yeah, uh, for sure. And COVID also helped in some way because the need was so great for people to get support from home that more and more services became available online. So even people who are in rural communities who aren't at a city center where there are more resources available can find anyone in their state. If they have internet, it can, you know, can get to somebody who can help them or a support group. And it's really cool. That's the one good thing from COVID. It is. And honestly, too, I think COVID I had a lot of moms that, you know, had COVID babies and were so isolated Mm. and like working. That was just unprecedented. Like it's already isolating enough, but now like you can't even have your parents come visit you. Like it's unfathomable. Yeah. But it exposed the hardness of Mm. this postpartum period and era that like, I think, I don't know if, if maybe it just, it needed more exposure or more people were talking about it or all of the above, but you're right. It really helped in that regard. Right. So with, you know, in all of your journey, what you've learned, what you know, personally and professionally, what are the things that you're really wanting moms to know? Yeah. I mean, there's a couple, I think a, please speak up. There's so much shame around this mm-hmm. and, you know, the whole what's wrong with me, I can't do this. And I'm a bad mom. And really, I just I want them if anybody's going through that, that doesn't mean you're a bad mom, you know, there's something else going on. And there are people and professionals that can help you. And this is really more prevalent and common than we talk about. Yeah, a lot of people think I'm the only one and that is just not the case. So, you know, speak up, there are resources and talk to your partner. I see that a lot is the shame and kind of transfers into, I can't tell anybody this, including my husband or my Mm -hmm. partner. And Mm -hmm. it starts there too. You know, nobody knows what you're going through unless you, you say something. And even if you and your partner are feeling disconnected, I've been there, that is temporary. You know, there are so many ways that you guys can get back and find your new normal. Yes, it's a transition and it takes time. But just because that's the state of your marriage or relationship, the first couple of months or a year or two after a baby doesn't mean it's the permanent one, you know? Yes. 
And, you know, find other moms, find support. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. You know, I know PSI has groups and things like that, but if you don't have a tribe and I really hate that word, honestly, I hate it. Cause it's like, mm-hmm. you know, your tribe, well, not everybody's blessed with a tribe, you know, but we can all work on finding it. Yeah. Right. You know, it's harder than others, but it even if it's just one other person that you feel safe with, that can be a lot. Yeah. Sometimes that's all it takes is one person, you know, a neighbor, a church friend, or, you know, maybe look in places that you didn't expect to find mom support. Yeah, absolutely. You know? yeah. yeah. Those are really, really important. And um, hopefully people can hear that. It can be hard to do, but it is worth the effort. You are worth the effort and the time. And and I think a lot of people who are hearing your story will be able to resonate with so many of the things you're describing and how that anxiety shows up. And I appreciate you sharing because I know it's going to help other people. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for letting me you know, speak on this. And it's so important and dear to my heart. And I just hope it helps somebody. I'm sure it will. Thank you so much. Thanks, Dr. Kat. I appreciate it. Feel free to connect with Savannah on Instagram at mymemphistherapist or her website, mymemphistherapist.com. It is so important that you guys are sharing these episodes. It really has an impact. And I see it on the back end when I see download numbers and episodes like this that continue to be listened to well after the episode has gone out because so many people can identify with things like postpartum anxiety and need to hear their story reflected somewhere out in the world. And these stories are a part of that shift into making perinatal mental health more understood and reducing the shame that some people experience when dealing with a perinatal mental health condition. The best way that you can support the work that I do is to share these episodes and follow along and support the posts that are on Instagram at mom and mind. For anyone out there who is suffering, you can go to my website, wellmindperinatal.com and go into the courses section and see what is available. There are several small bite-sized courses that are really user-friendly, can help you understand your experience as well as give you some tools to cope with what you might be going through. I hope that you find them useful and supportive in your healing journey as well. Thank you so much for being with us. Until next time. Please find the Mom and Mind podcast on momandmind.com or wellmindperinatal.com, where you can also find access to my free online mini course that is specifically designed for people experiencing anxiety in the postpartum period. Or you can learn more about the three and a half hour self-paced course that I created just for managing postpartum stress. You can also connect with us on social media at Mom and Mind on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you for tuning in and learning more about perinatal mental health. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. 
I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. 